This is Sean Mandoli, and you're listening to the Hopeland Church Podcast. I hope you encounter God and walk in new levels of freedom as a result of listening to this message. Enjoy. What is up, Hopeland Church? Good to be here today. Good to be preaching the word. We are super stoked to be jumping into an all-new series right about now. And uh, if you watch this from the beginning, it kind of it shows you kind of the series and all that uh, before worship starts and everything. Uh, but Ephesians, right? We're going to be doing a study through the book of Ephesians here. And uh, really, I personally just love the book of Ephesians. And um, I believe this is going to minister to you um, this month. I hope you're going to learn some things and, and be able to apply some things to your life. And um, amen. I hope this just stirs uh, what God has put in you already, what he's called you to do. And so we're going to jump right in to the word today. Um, So let's pray here and let's get started. So Father, we thank you for this moment uh, of getting in your word. And we pray in the name of Jesus that you would speak to everybody. Uh, Lord, anoint this moment, this word, Holy Spirit. You are welcome to speak, to convict, to change, and to glorify Jesus through this word. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. All right, here we go. So uh, what we're going to do, we're going to start here. So we're going to kind of just give you a little bit of kind of just the context of this book and kind of some of the major themes and just share some of the verses. So we're not really... Uh, today, we're not like just starting in verse one and going through just yet. Um, we have all month. So today, we're going to just kind of look at this in the context. And one of the cool things today, too, we'll kind of see some parallels of this city and region and kind of the spiritual climate, if you will, uh, and, and, and kind of how it parallels um, our culture today and even even specifically um, L.A., Los Angeles. And there are some parallels with um, the city of Los Angeles and the city of Ephesus. We're talking city of Ephesus now. We're talking the first century. And here we are in 2022. And there are some parallels um, with what I believe God is doing and wants to do in this city. And uh, we can see just some parallels of some things that were happening in, at that time and kind of the influence of that particular city. All right, so we're gonna jump right in um, and just give a little bit of... Uh, the theme and just the, just what is the book of Ephesians saying to us? And so here we go. We're going to jump right in. Um, so here it is. Uh, Ephesians, this is Ephesians right here, okay? This is really going to break it down for you in a real simple way. And um, so Ephesians summarizes, okay, the gospel story and how it should reshape every part of our story, Okay. So I'm going to say that again. Ephesians, the book, okay, what it does is it literally summarizes the gospel story and then it shows us how it should reshape every part of our story. So once again, right, Ephesians, when we read it, if you want to just know what is it saying, every next time you read Ephesians, you're going to find this in there. You're going to find the gospel story, and you're going to find your story, the gospel story and how it changes your story. 
okay? The gospel story and how it reshapes our story, all right? So some other themes here that we're gonna look at today. And, and that's really the main one. Like if you were to cut Ephesians in half, the first part is a summary of the gospel. The second part is the summary of how the gospel reshapes us, okay? It is the gospel message and what the gospel does. Hallelujah, all right? And so, so that's what it is. And how many of you know that is the story of a Christian, the gospel and how it has changed me. The gospel story, the story of what Jesus did. What did he do? What did he provide for us? What did he do for us? And how does that play out in our life? How is what God did 2,000 years ago, 2,000 years ago on that cross, how is that actualized in my life? Ephesians says it all. Okay, even theologians, they look at Ephesians like one of the greatest pieces of literature ever, right? And even, you know, Christian theologians and stuff, they just, I mean, because it says so much, it is so rich. It's only six chapters. It's not a very lengthy uh, letter or what we would call today a book, um, but it is rich with the, 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 the gospel and, and the, the, the mysteries of, of God in Christ and how that changes us practically, okay? So another thing really in here, another theme in, in Ephesians is the power of God. That the power of God is a theme in Ephesians, and you're going to see why. I'm not going to I'm not going to spoil the rest of the message here, but that that's that's something we're going to look at here. Um, it also covers this: is that there is unity in diversity, okay? Unity in diversity. So so uh, when you have the gospel and how it changes us, if you unpack that, guess what you're going to find? The power of God. It's like this sub theme in Ephesians, okay? And also you see this theme of unity in diversity, that we are unified in Christ and yet diverse in so many other ways, okay? And so I'm gonna read this sentence from my notes because this also really speaks to, to, to some of these the theme here of, of diversity. But Ephesians teaches that the gospel, okay, makes way for a new multi-ethnic family of God, all right? Now, this isn't just something that I see in the scripture even broader and more in depth, even out outside of the book of Ephesians, but no, this is literally, um, if you study Ephesians, you're gonna find the word multi-ethnic somewhere in there, okay? Or, or diverse, because of the environment of that city, um, a, a, the, a Jewish man that wrote it to Gentiles, like that in and of itself. So the, the, the literal historical context tells us that God was doing something powerful in a diverse community, okay? Uh, so once again, Ephesians teaches that the gospel uh, makes way uh, for a new multi-ethnic family of God. Here it is, transforming how we live as a new humanity unified in the love of Christ. The Ephesians teaches us 
that the gospel makes way for a new multi-ethnic family of God, transforming how we live as a new humanity unified in the love of Christ. This is what was going on 2,000 years ago in that city. And this is what is going on today. Amen. All right. This is the gospel. This is the gospel. I mean, Ephesians is the gospel. It, 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 it summarizes it and it shows how it should look, how it should play out in our everyday life. All right. Hallelujah. And so here it is. I'm going to, I'm going to read uh, one verse. We're going to jump to chapter four here, but just to kind of, kind of show the point here um, of this unity and diversity. Okay. So Ephesians chapter four, uh, verse four to six, Ephesians four, verse four to six. Here it goes. I'm going to read it. There is one body. Somebody say one body. Say it again. Say one body in the body of Christ. We don't have, we don't have, you know, a body of white people, a body of Asian people, a body of Hispanic people, a body of, you know, black people. Uh, we have the body of Christ. There is one body. Somebody say unity and diversity. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. Verse five, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Somebody say unity. All right. Verse six, one God and father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. He used one a lot. I, I would say one, the word one is the, is the theme of chapter four. So you're going to kind of see where we're headed here this month, right? Um, and so here it is. When you have, and we're speaking of the book of Ephesians, when you have a diverse environment, guess what's going to be there? It's going to be beautiful. It, it's, it's what heaven is going to be. It is, it is what the church ought to be. But when you have diversity, you have beauty in it. It's beauty. Why? Because God is the creator of diversity. He is the creator. He is the creator of this. And, and, and what you also find in it is tension. All right. It, there will be tension. Okay. There will be tension. And so here is my first point that we get from Ephesians. All right. Is this, is we need to lean into the tension. I'm going to say it again, folks. We need to lean into the tension. There, there was tension in the early church. There was a lot of tension in the early church. We're not just talking about Ephesians now. There was tension, and some of the tension explicitly talked about was the tension between the, the Hebrews, the Jewish tradition, the Jewish culture, and the Gentiles that were getting saved. Time and time again in the book of Acts, there was tension. There was tension with the leaders. The leaders in the Jerusalem church were pushing back on Gentiles getting saved and not um, adopting um, the, you know, the, the, the law as far as circumcision and, and various things. And so there was tension. Uh, there was tension there. Why? Because there was diversity. God was touching multiple types of people uh, from different backgrounds, from different history, different walks of life, different cities, different environments. And God is going to touch people, save people. And he's not going to ask our permission as to who 
who they are or whether they agree with our political views or or our various um, biases or ideologies. God loves people. Jesus has come to seek and save that which is lost. He is going to save people. And we need to be a community that celebrates what God does in touching, saving, healing people. And uh, when that happens, we're going to find ourselves in environments where there is tension. Not all tension is bad. Sometimes when we hear the word tension, we think of something that we need to avoid. And there might be a, a tension we need to avoid, but not all tension is bad. I think tension has gotten a bad rap. Um, tension very well could be something very good uh, because um, that means that might be an area I need to grow in, that I need to develop. It might, the tension of diversity could expose my biases, could expose um, my certain ways of thinking about people um, that aren't of God. Can I get an amen, somebody? That that are just me. It's just how I was taught to think about them. It's 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 how I see them. Now, if you think about Jesus and his 12 disciples, I mean, he had a very diverse group. He had zealots in there. He had a tax collector in there. I mean, you're talking about two separate sides of the socioeconomic um, landscape here. And here he is. He's like got 12 guys. And there, it was, there was diversity even in the, 12 disciples. And then you get to the church, man, and things start to really change. Um, and so we need, as I, as I said before, I'm, I'm saying this, like when you read Ephesians, uh, we, need to, we need to learn to lean into the tension, not avoid the tension, okay? Um, that's the problem with the church is that the church, and I'm not saying all churches, I'm not saying globally every church, you, you hear what I'm saying, but I've been in, in, walking with the Lord for a little bit here and just being a pastor, um, as a pastor leading this community, I'm telling you, we need to learn how to lean into the tension of diversity. Um, why? Because God loves them. And you might not understand them. You might not understand their customs or language or whatever. But I believe God is in the tension. When I read Ephesians, man, God's in the tension. If that's where God is, then let's lean into it, okay? So let's lean into it. Let's lean into it. Let's not avoid it. Let's not try to create just some cookie cutter church with all same type of people up in it. Um, that, that is not the Ephesian church, okay? And so here we go. So, so let's learn to live in and love others while in the tension of our diverse community. Let's learn to do that. Let's learn to do that, okay? If we avoid, here it is, I'm just reading from my notes here, but if we avoid um, this type of tension, look at, based on the book of Ephesians, we're, we're, we're working against the gospel. We're, 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 we're working for more of a cultural thing as opposed to a spiritual thing. Um, we're, we're, we're working for some, you know, we're, 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 we're not in line with the way God did things in the early church, okay? So if we avoid this type of tension, if we try to create ways to alleviate the tension, get the people causing tension out of the room, right? If we do that, we're working against the gospel and we are promoting ignorance. Why? Why are we promoting ignorance? We're promoting a lot of things when we do that. 
But why? What, 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 what does that mean? It's because here, I'm going to give you my definition of a bubble, okay? A bubble, this is my definition now, but a bubble is a, is a seedbed of ignorance. That when a bubble, meaning when I am in an environment and everybody in that environment comes from where I come from, talks like how I talk, is from where I'm from, and if there's no diversity in that environment, I'm telling you, there isn't any tension there. And guess what? When there's not tension, guess what is there? Ignorance. It's a seedbed of ignorance. Um, intentional or otherwise, it's ignorance. Why? You got all the, all the same type of people thinking the same way, with the same opinions and biases, same political views. Now, I'm telling you right now, if you want to grow in Christ and grow as a believer, that type of environment, you will not grow in. You will not grow in. Paul, a Hebrew of Hebrews, was called to the Gentiles. He, he went to the Jews and they rejected him. He said, I'm going to go to the Gentiles, right? He, Peter, a Jew, was challenged by God to go and to pray for um, Cornelius, a centurion, and went into the man's house and they all got filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you that we won't grow and the people around us won't grow if we are refusing to lean into any kind of tension as a result of diversity. Come on, somebody. Here it is. This is my definition of a bubble. It's an environment of homogeny, void of the tension and beauty that only diversity brings. I'm going to read this again. And this is my definition, okay? So um, if you don't agree with it, that's fine. But um, it's an environment. This is a bubble. It's an environment of homogeny, okay? Of that is void of the tension and beauty that only diversity brings, all right? That only diversity brings. We need to learn to lean into the, into the tension, okay? That, that's a theme here in Ephesians. It's, it's the literal context. You have a, 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 a Jewish man that encountered Jesus, a, a Pharisee for that matter, um, or maybe an ex-Pharisee for that matter, um, writing to a Gentile community and leading a, um, a, a, a Gentile, predominantly Gentile uh, um, city. Now, there were synagogues there, but if you notice, when, when, when Paul went to Ephesus, he was persecuted by his own people. Okay, so he's per he went there to teach there and miracles were happening. We're gonna look at some of this, but he was persecuted by um, his contemporaries. All right, and so this letter is to the church there um, that had formed, and 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 he ended up actually uh, leaving Timothy there to help lead it. Okay, and uh, Paul actually um, stayed in Ephesus, I believe, more than any other city on his journeys. He was there for a while. I mean, could you imagine? Just he was there for some years. So um, just having to navigate all this. So he wrote this letter from prison. Um, he wrote Ephesians from prison um, sometime after. And so obviously gave him time to process his whole experience there and, and, and what God used him to help build as far as a community. And then just kind of, uh, you know, um, and what he felt maybe was needed for this particular church. And, and the, um, the Ephesian letter was... Um, um, uh, you know, historians tell us that, that this was a circular letter. So it wasn't just in 
the uh, city of Ephesus that it was read, a, a just one church, if you will, but it was circulated throughout Asia Minor. And um, history tells us that Ephesus was the gateway to Asia or the gateway to Asia Minor. It was a port city. We'll kind of look at some of the historical background of the city, but um, it's very influential. And so in Paul writing this, obviously this letter, you know, has been canonized as God's holy word that we're reading today. But in history at that time, it was circulating the whole region. And, um, and in the letter, you'll see that they were dealing with a tension because of ethnic and like different religious backgrounds. And how do we come together? Like what is the unifying piece of, of this community? What truly unifies us? What, what do we unify around? What are we fighting for? What do we need to put to the side when surrender for the sake of unity with my brother that isn't the same ethnicity of me, doesn't come from the same religious background or, or pagan background for that matter. You had pagan culture, Jewish tradition coming together. And that is a tension. Okay. All right. So praise the Lord. Look at somebody next to you and tell them, lean in to the tension. So this is a little bit of now um, of how it's summarized, okay? So I already said this, but we're going to kind of put it as a point here today. But um, chapters one to three, that is the gospel story. So we're, we're, this is what this is. This is a study of Ephesians, okay? So my points are, are kind of a little different, right? But, but that's, I don't know if that's a point, but that's just like, just like a statement here. But um, chapter chapters one through three, that's the gospel story. If you read it, like that's what it's saying. It's 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 kind of the the message, the main thing. So think about it. He's speaking to a diverse community, and he's like, "Man, let's just let's just remind them of the main thing." Here it is, guys: the gospel story. Okay. Um, and what is he saying here? He's saying this: all of history, all right, has come to its climax in Jesus. All right. I mean, he goes way back. You'll, you'll, he, he, he quotes um, some, some Old Testament scriptures. I mean, he goes way back speaking of God's intention before the creation of the world. Like he goes back and he's basically saying in, in chapter one, two and three, all of history has come to its climax in Jesus and in his creation of this diverse community of followers. So, so he's saying, man, this is the, this is like the foreknowledge of God the Father. He predestined us as sons and daughters of God. So, I mean, that's what is going on here. The gospel story. Okay, so when we read Ephesians, it, it, it ought to just remind us, man, what is this all about? If you forget about anything, if you feel like, man, I need to remind myself of what this is all about, Ephesians 1, 2, and 3. I need to just look at what it is. Who am I in God? Okay, the gospel story. Who has he made me to be? Who has he said in truth that I am in him? Ephesians chapter one, two, and three, the gospel story. Okay, and when he writes it, I mean, um, you know, these, you know, historians and 
and and theologians they they, they look at it like because he's he he's a Jewish man so it, it's almost like um like kind of chapter one the way he starts it and everything it's like this Jewish poem you know this prayer there's all these prayers in these first three chapters prayers for the church and you know it's very poetic very dense I mean you can read three scriptures in Ephesians 1 and you're like man like that's a lot that's saying a lot like you could I mean it's just it's it's meaty okay so the gospel story somebody say the gospel story so let's not forget the story let's not forget the message right the gospel story okay so here we go. Let's read Ephesians 2. All right. Okay. Ephesians 2, verse 7 to verse 10. Verse 7 to verse 10. Here it is. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. Verse 10, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. All right, so so there you go. That's just like a snapshot of the gospel right there. All right, I'm gonna read it again. Do you, uh, hopefully you don't mind. I was gonna ask you, but you can't really answer me. But I'm gonna read this again. Let's look at this. Verse seven, I wanna read this again. Look at this, this is the gospel right here. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. Verse eight, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence. Verse nine, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in, verse 10, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. Say it with me, folks. Say the gospel story. All right? The gospel story. Praise the Lord. Okay, so as I said, we're just kind of doing an overview, right? And then, then next week, we're going to really just start in um, chapter one and just walk through um, um, the, the book, okay? But I just wanted to kind of give you a, just like a snapshot of the book, okay? So in, in these first first three chapters, right, you're going to, um, if, if you're taking notes, you can write these down, but we, what, what, do we, what do they talk about um, here? In chapter one, it's about the covenant family. All right, that we are part of the family of God, covenant family. This is very important, folks. Very important to who you are, to to your place in the kingdom of God is you are a part of God's family. You are in the family. Now think about it, right, right? Let me go back to context real quick. Think about who he's talking to. He's talking about people from all different parts, all different uh, parts of, of their region, backgrounds, everything, the diversity there, the, 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 the different history everybody had. And he's like, man, we are all part of a covenant family in Jesus. All right, here's the next thing they talk about. That, sorry, he talks about in here. Chapter two is God's grace and a multi ethnic family in Jesus. Okay, so chapter two, Ephesians two, right? We're, we're not gonna take the time to read through all this. We're gonna 
begin that the rest of this month, but just um, be encouraged today. Just even as I give you maybe the themes for each of these chapters, know this, okay? You got to know this. You got to get this in you. You're part of the family of God. Don't let the devil lie to you. Don't let the devil say you're not, you're less than, you're not included, you're not a part of it. The devil is a liar. You have been adopted into the family of God. We all are in a covenant family because of Jesus. And in chapter two, this is all about God's grace and and multi-ethnic family in Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We're part of the household of faith, the family of God. Here it is. And then chapter three is kind of cool, but Paul starts to talk about his unique role as messenger to the Gentiles. So he's saying to them, even in this letter, like, hey guys, I know where I'm from. I know that I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews, circumcised the eighth day, according to the law, blameless, all that stuff he mentioned in when he wrote his letter to the Philippians. But here he's like, hey man, this, check this out. If, if y'all are having trouble with each other, if y'all have your, you know, you, you, you're not, you're, you know, you're struggling with managing the tension here. If you're struggling with your own uh, feelings of, am I accepted into this? Can I, am I part of this? He's like, look guys, I'm from the other side of the tracks, but I am called to you Gentiles. This is who I'm called to. And, 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 and he kind he kind of lays that out there. All right. Hallelujah. Okay. Hallelujah. So, so the first three books, right? They are, um, once again, chapters one through three is the gospel story. So chapter four, chapters four, five, and six, here it is. It's our story. Okay. So there it is, right? It, chapters one, two, and three, it's the gospel story. Then what, what, what does that do? to us, through us, for us, our story. The gospel story always leads to a changed life, right? A, a, a transformed life, okay? That my story now becomes a gospel story, okay? All right, so here we go. And what's interesting is, um, is these two sections, chapters one through three and chapters four, through six, they are um, linked by one word. And, and if you read uh, Ephesians chapter four, verse one, it reads, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord. What? So there's the therefore. So it's connecting. Okay, therefore, because of the gospel story, therefore, and now he's gonna start to challenge them in their spiritual progress, all right? He's gonna start to encourage them in what that should look like. In, in the various aspects of their life, okay? So here it is. The gospel leads to change and transformation, okay? The gospel is not a static, dead message. Come on now. The Bible says that Jesus said that the words that I speak are, are spirit and life. The word of God is quick and powerful. It is living and active sharper than any two-edged sword, judging the thoughts and intents of the heart. So, so, so God's word, the gospel message is, is a living message and the gospel mobilizes us and leads us to God's purposes. It, it, it does something. Ephesians tells us this, 
that it's not just mental assent. Oh, I know the gospel. I can articulate the principles of the gospel. Praise the Lord. I hope so. But does your life speak of the gospel? Come on now, right? Um, you know, uh, gospel, the gospel isn't just something we teach. It is a way we live, right? And so the gospel leads me to new things that God's calling me to. And it changes me from the inside. Amen. All right. From the gospel story to my story. So here it is. Chapter four is here it is. This is the theme for that chapter. Okay. We are one in Jesus. Hallelujah. Right. And I, we shared a verse from four, uh, chapter four just a second ago. And um, it kind of used the word one a lot in just a couple verses, right? One faith, one Lord, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and in you, and in you all, right? Uh, something like that. Uh, but one, we are one in Jesus. This is how the gospel looks in community. It's a loving community that is diverse, unified around Jesus, the gospel, the purposes of God, but yet diverse in every other way possible. All right? All right? And so another part of chapter four, well, actually, uh, I'll give you the exact verses here with this one, okay? So it goes from pretty much chapter four, um, we are one in Jesus, okay? Then from chapter four, okay, verse 17 to chapter six, verse nine, it starts to talk about how the gospel changes us, how we change, we are different, how it transforms us, how that actually looks. He uses this kind of metaphor uh, uh, or analogy, if you will, of an old man and a new man, right? And so that is the theme of chapters four, verse 17, through chapter six, verse nine. It is, the theme is one, sorry, is old man and new man. That's the theme. That's what, see how it's going from the gospel story to how we were before Jesus, how we are now, and it kind of breaks down the literal variance of this is how the old man acts, but this is how the new man acts. This is how the old man acts. This is how the new, we don't lie anymore. We tell the truth, right? You know, and it just goes on down and starts to show how this ought to look in our lives, the old man and the new man. And it starts to break it down how this even touches our relationships at home, our marriages, our parenting, our work life, uh, relationship with our boss and, 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 and our, the, our employee's relationship with us or whatever your context is out there in the marketplace. That The gospel touches and changes all of that. All right. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Okay. And so the last section is, is chapter six, verse 10 to 24. And this is the reality of spiritual warfare. The reality of spiritual warfare. Okay. Um, and he goes into this. And this is the, I started with this um, in the beginning here. And I talked about how one of the themes in Ephesians is power. That is a theme, okay, that is in Ephesians, okay? 
And so I want to read um, Ephesians chapter 1, uh, verses 18 to 20. All right, Ephesians 1, verses 18 to 20. And this is just one of the verses that speaks of, that even uses this word power, just one of them. That the word power itself is used a few times, a number of times in the book of Ephesians. But starting in verse 18, this is one of his prayers for the Ephesian church. And he was praying that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you would know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is, verse 19, what is, here it is, the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe. What is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand, in the heavenly places, okay? And so here it is, this is my last point, is that God's power is accessible. This is what Ephesians tells us. I don't mean that we are as powerful as God or we replace God, I don't, I, I don't I, what I mean is his power is made available to us. It says here in verse 19 of Ephesians 1, and what is the exceeding greatness, exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? His power is accessible. The power of the Holy Spirit, okay, is accessible to us. The power of God is accessible to us, okay? So, so if you even look at the, at, at the historical context of Ephesus, there was a lot of um, demonic things happening. There's sorcery. Um, there was some gentlemen, and, and if you want to kind of look at some of the context of Ephesians, you can look at Acts chapter 19. That's when, um, in the, near the end of chapter 18 into 19, that's when Paul was there, and there, and there, there was uh, what we would call magic, and um, you know, the, uh, there was the, um, the 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 god, the goddess um, Artemis, and for the Romans, they called her Diana, right? But it's just the it's the same idol and god, and that temple was one in the ancient world was one of the seven wonders of the world, so pagan worship, and it was ran. Um, uh, by uh, this, this particular um, pagan um, temple was uh, ran by all women. Okay, that's what history tells us, the context of this environment. Hence, the goddess Diana was a goddess. So because it was a goddess that it was, it was all the priestesses were women in that temple. Okay, and so this was a place of power. Um, also, there was economic power. Uh, the, during the early church, it, it was a it was it, in the Roman province of Asia Minor, so they was under a Roman occupation and rule, and so they knew and they knew the Romans knew. Hey, we we want to make sure we have a presence in the city. Uh, there's money, power, influence. People came from all over the world to come to this temple to worship. Uh, this false god, there was, uh, the book of Acts tells us that there was a synagogue in that actual city uh, where Jewish people worshiped, um, you know, and so um, this was a place for people to gain wealth, okay, influence, okay, um, and I'm going to read from my notes. Their world, in other words, was dominated, okay, by people of power, okay, so this was an environment, the city, the, the cultural environment, it was a powerful influential city. And LA, Los Angeles, is a powerful influential city. All right? 
And here we are, pastoring and a part of a community right here in, if I could call it, kind of this modern day Ephesus. All right, and this is the thing, that the power of God was moving in that city. And I, and I, God's gonna move because of people's faith. God's gonna move because he promised he would in the scriptures. But it's, it's, it's fascinating that there was such power moving, deliverance, and uh, people getting um, um, demons cast out of them in that city. If you read Acts chapter 19, and, and, and the theme in this letter is power. Why? Because, because I believe God wanted to establish, you guys think you have all this power, this magical power, this demonic power, or this, this, this influential power in society. But God shows up and says, no, I, I am the absolute power. And to a point where that, that people were no longer buying these idols that the silversmiths were making. And so their business was declining. So the power of God moved so much in the early church that it started to change the economy of the city. I believe that that same thing can happen today. You know, that those same kind of things, can, that God can move to such a degree in a community and in a city that it starts to change the literal economy, that it starts to change things that we don't have any direct power over, but because of the power of God that we can truly change and transform our literal city. So I want you to know as we just close out today, folks, that the power of God is accessible to us because of the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in our mortal body. Hallelujah. God bless you guys. I hope you enjoyed the message. And my prayer is that you will change your world as a result. If you're ever in the LA area, join us for one of our weekend gatherings. And don't forget to follow us on social media. Peace.